Good Monday morning, a travel nightmare on one of the nation's busiest roads. Yeah, part of I-95 shut down for the foreseeable future. It is June 12th. This is today. Commuter chaos. A tanker truck fire in Philadelphia causes a portion of Interstate 95 to collapse. We had a lot of heat and heavy fire underneath the underpass. Millions set to be impacted with repairs to take months during the height of the summer travel season. We'll have everything you need to know and where the investigation stands this morning. Countdown to court. Former President Trump heading to Florida today ahead of his arraignment there on federal charges tied to those highly classified documents he's accused of illegally keeping at his Mar-a-Lago estate. Just ahead, Republicans circle the wagons. Donald Trump, you may hate his guts, but he is not a spy. But his former attorney general says the case is tight. If even half of it is true, then he's toast. The latest, just ahead. Behind bars, another American detained in Russia, this time on drug charges. I do not believe that I have done what I've been accused because I don't know what I've been accused of. His message from jail and the new tensions between Washington and Moscow. Miracle Rescue, new video showing the moment four young siblings who survived a plane crash and 40 days deep in the Amazon jungle are found alive. A 13-year-old girl hailed as a hero for keeping her siblings safe. Just ahead, what those kids did to survive and how they're doing now as we talk with the man who led that search and rescue mission. Those stories plus Netflix and deal. Users adjusting to life after that password sharing crackdown. This is so annoying. This is horrible. But why the company is calling its new policy a success and will other streamers follow suit? And Beach Bear, the unexpected guest who joined visitors at a popular Florida beach for a quick, quick weekend dip today, Monday, June 12, 2023. From NBC News, this is Today with Savannah Guthrie and Hoda Kotb, live from Studio 1A in Rockefeller Plaza. Hi, everybody. Good morning. Welcome to Today on a Monday morning. It is really nice to have you with us, starting your week with us. Welcome back. There was an office pool on whether you were coming back or not. I don't know if I would, but you're here. It's difficult, Paris. but knowing that we're going back for the 2024 yes. Olympics in Paris, it's going to be spectacular. Mm-hmm. Got a lot to get yep. to this morning, including new details on that incredible story. Everybody's still talking about this. The miracle rescue and survival of four children who were lost in the Amazon jungle for 40 days. Overnight officials released new video of that rescue. We're going to show you more on that. We'll also talk to the man in charge of the operation to find those kids. But first, our top story, a terrifying highway collapse in Philadelphia. Thankfully, nobody was injured. But a tanker truck fire triggered part of I-95 to just collapse and give way. This morning, hundreds of thousands of drivers who rely on one of the country's busiest interstates are facing a commuting nightmare, and it could last For months, officials saying this repair will not be quick or easy. NBC's Emily Aketa near the scene for us. Emily, good morning. Savannah, good morning to you. You can see the southbound section of I-95 behind me charred out from the flames. On the other side, the northbound overpass is completely gone. Crews are working to clear out 500 tons of debris and doing so with extreme caution because first responders point out at this stage in the process, we could still see a fire reignite. The governor calling it extreme, absolute devastation that could take months to rebuild. 
This morning, a disastrous scene of buckled concrete and steel on I-95. Something is uh, ignited. After this elevated northbound section of highway completely collapsed early Sunday. When authorities say a tanker carrying 8,500 gallons of a petroleum-based product burst into flames below. I smelled smoke. Uh, it smelled like gasoline, actually. Drivers navigating through massive plumes of smoke billowing into the skies before fire and rescue teams rushing to the scene and the highway shutting down in both directions. We had a lot of heat and heavy fire underneath the underpass. Mark Fusetti was heading south on I-95 when the northbound lanes began to buckle. I hit a bump, went down. My son went on the phone and saw that right where we were, it collapsed. So. You know, I started counting my lucky stars at that moment. Couldn't believe it. There are no reported injuries or deaths from the terrifying incident, say officials, though at least one vehicle remains trapped under the roadway. Authorities are investigating the cause and have not released details on the tanker owner or its driver. Once we get things moved and everything, we'll get to the cedar part. I-95 runs up the East Coast from Florida all the way to Maine. And this heavily trafficked urban section is critical for daily commuters and interstate commerce, typically carrying 160,000 vehicles a day. Pennsylvania Governor Josh Shapiro says repairs will begin immediately, but could take months. Secretary of Transportation Pete Buttigieg has made it clear that whatever resources would be needed to rebuild I-95 and to do so in a safe and expeditious manner would be provided to us. And already this morning, we're seeing snarling traffic in the area, officials beefing up train capacity and launching a new website, pa.gov slash I-95 updates to provide alternative routes for drivers. The good news is even with the Delaware River in the area, officials say there have not been significant impacts to the environment or drinking water. Savannah? Just looking at those images, it will take a while, Emily. Thank you very much. Meantime, preparations are underway for a historic court hearing. Donald Trump set to become the first former president to be arraigned on federal charges when he appears at the federal courthouse in Miami tomorrow. We've got two reports. We're going to start with NBC's senior Capitol Hill correspondent, Garrett Hake. Hey, Garrett, good morning. Hey, Hoda, good morning to you. Yeah, the former president set to travel to Florida today ahead of his arraignment tomorrow at the courthouse behind me. And that hearing will be truly historic. A former president facing federal criminal charges brought by the country he once led. Security ramping up this morning outside the Miami federal courthouse with preparations underway for tomorrow's arraignment of the highest profile federal criminal defendant in history, former President Donald Trump. On the campaign trail this weekend, Mr. Trump raging against what he called his politicized prosecution. This vicious persecution is a travesty of justice. Biden is trying to jail his leading political opponent. And the man leading it, special counsel Jack Smith. You have this maniac. I call him a deranged person, Jack Smith. Smith has said no one is above the law. We have one set of laws in this country, and they apply to everyone. Law enforcement officials tell NBC News they're concerned that Mr. Trump's rhetoric heightens the risk that extremists could try to disrupt the proceedings. But as of now, there is no evidence on social media of January 6th style planning for violence.
Mr. Trump urging supporters. They have to go out and they have to uh, protest peacefully. The 37-count indictment unsealed Friday accuses Mr. Trump of illegally taking classified national security documents with him to Mar-a-Lago when he left the White House, storing them in unsecured boxes stashed in a bathroom and on a ballroom stage, sometimes showing them off. Then, even after receiving a subpoena from the FBI, conspiring with an aide to hide them from investigators. According to the indictment, the classified material included information about weapons capabilities of the U.S. and foreign countries, U.S. nuclear programs, and potential U.S. military vulnerabilities. Mr. Trump also lashing out at former Attorney General Bill Barr, who said this weekend that the charges are serious. If even half of it is true, then he's toast. It's a very detailed indictment, uh, and it's very, very damning. The former president calling his former attorney general a, quote, gutless pig on social media and saying his comments are misinformation. For now, Republican allies and rivals alike are largely standing by the party's 2024 presidential frontrunner. You can't have one faction of society weaponizing the power of the state against factions that it doesn't like. Mr. Trump won't be lingering in Florida after his arraignment. He's expected to fly back to New Jersey, where he's giving a campaign speech and a fundraiser at his golf club in New Jersey. He raised millions of dollars after his first indictment in New York a few months ago. This is a feat his campaign would like to repeat here. Savannah. Garrett, thank you so much. Let's turn to NBC's senior legal correspondent, Laura Jarrett. Laura, good morning. Let's first talk about the strength of the prosecution's case as presented. In terms of evidence, it seems to have it all. Surveillance video, text messages, witnesses on the inside, an audio tape of the former president essentially acknowledging the elements of the crime. It's pretty powerful. And all of it is, of course, contemporaneous. Having his body man now be as part of this alleged conspiracy, all the text messages exchanged about how Mr. Mr. Trump wants the boxes in this room, that room. This allegation is that he even packed the boxes. We had wondered exactly what his role would be. They're alleging he was personally responsible for actually packing some of the boxes. But perhaps most damning is his lawyer's own notes about his reflections on what the former president was allegedly telling him. And he's got all of that documented in detail. What's interesting is we're talking about hundreds of boxes. You see them there. The only documents for which there is a charge are those that are marked as top secret, the most sensitive secrets, and those that he just returned. Yeah. There was no charge for that. Yes. And then that's what shows you that perhaps this case would not have existed if in response to all of those things with the National Archives, if he had just given everything back, the indictment makes you think that they wouldn't have brought the case. What he's being charged is what happens after he receives the grand jury subpoena and he still doesn't give the documents back. And then after they come in for the search warrant and they're still negotiating. And that's what shows you those. That's the meaningful difference here between the case of the former vice president and, um, of course, uh, the former secretary of state. Giving the documents back may have made a difference. Well, there are vulnerabilities in any case. What could the defense exploit here? Those attorneys' notes. It is not the typical case that you get to see attorney-client privilege notes. Those are supposed to always stay secret. Attorney-client privilege is sacrosanct for that reason, so that you can have frank communications, except when it's been used in furtherance of a crime. And already one federal judge has said that there was evidence of that, which is why the DOJ got their hands on those notes. However, 
there is going to be a new judge in Florida, and she could exclude that evidence. Yeah, I mean, it really does come down to whether a judge makes a favorable ruling on that key piece of evidence. Yeah. This is the judge, Aileen Cannon, who we believe is going to be assigned to the case. She's the very judge who presided over earlier aspects of the case, made pro-Trump rulings that were later reversed on appeal. That's right. How could this play out? Yeah, she's she's uh, appointed by the former president, but that's not the reason to have any yeah. suspicion, you know, about the favorable ruling. It's that she already ruled in his favor and was reversed twice by conservative-leaning federal appeals court. Now, it doesn't mean she's going to rule in his favor in this case. Maybe, you know, there are different issues. She might rule differently, but it's worth noting that she does have that background, and that's why some have raised questions. And then finally, really quickly, this is these cases, these charges caught, fall under a, a law, an old law called the Espionage yeah. Act. Lindsey Graham, yeah. Republican senator, saying he's not a spy. That is not what the law requires. You don't requires. have to be a spy. Obviously, it conjures that image, but the statute itself is far broader. All that it requires is that there be unauthorized possession, which there is arguably here because he's no longer president, and that you willfully retain the documents. And in this case, he retained them even after he was asked to give them back. That's all it requires. That's the heart of the case. Yeah. Laura, thank you very much. Sure. Appreciate it. Yep. All right. We got a lot more to get to. Uh, Craig joins the table now. A weekend rest uh, overseas. Yes. Hold on, Savannah. Good morning. Good morning to you as well. A U.S. citizen has been detained in Russia, accused of running a drug dealing business. The arrest adding to already heightened tensions between Washington and Moscow. NBC's chief international correspondent, Keir Simmons, is following this story for us. Keir, good morning to you. Craig, good morning to you. This arrest will reignite questions over whether President Putin is effectively pursuing a strategy of taking American hostages or whether, as Russia says, these are simply U.S. citizens falling foul of Russian law. Certainly, the arrests could not take place without President Putin's approval. Putin. Russian President Vladimir Putin at an awards ceremony this morning as American musician Travis Leake becomes the latest U.S. citizen to appear behind bars in a Moscow courtroom. Video shows him denying the charges. I am not admitting to any guilt, and I do not believe that I have done what I've been accused because I don't know what I've been accused of. NBC News cannot verify when the video was made or whether Leake was under duress during the filming. Leake has lived in Russia, making influential rock music. He was even interviewed by the late Anthony Bourdain in 2014. This exchange recorded as a mic failed. No, it's the KGB. They're, they're blocking your signal. I'm quite sure you've had someone on your tail the entire time you've been here. Now, Moscow's court service announcing he is being held on drug dealing charges, facing a sentence of around 12 years. It's unclear whether US diplomats have been granted access to leak in prison. The State Department telling NBC News in a statement when a U.S. citizen is detained overseas, the department pursues consular access as soon as possible. The American government continuing to press for the release of Wall Street Journal reporter Evan Gershkovich and American businessman Paul Whelan. Last year, WNBA star Brittany Griner spent 10 months in prison, accused of carrying hash oil in a vape cartridge until she was exchanged for a Russian arms dealer. Over the weekend, Russia and Ukraine swapping soldiers. Mum, I'm home, this Russian says, celebrating. While on the front lines, Ukraine's counteroffensive battling to overcome Russian resistance, fighting that will determine both countries' futures.
And this morning, Craig, Ukraine is celebrating some small victories, but Russia has had a long time to fortify its defensive line and does have air superiority along that defensive line. It is simply too early at this stage to know where the battle will be in a few months' time, Craig. All right. Our chief international correspondent, Keir Simmons, for us there. Keir, thank you. Silvia Berlusconi, the billionaire media tycoon who was Italy's longest-serving premier, has died. A one-time cruise ship singer, Berlusconi used his television networks and immense wealth to launch his long political career. He served as prime minister in three separate stints between 1994 and 2011, but he was just as well known for his controversial private life, allegations of corruption. He was diagnosed with leukemia in April after years of poor health. Silvio Berlusconi was 86 years old. Let's move now to an unexpected visitor turning heads on a popular Florida beach. So what initially looked like a big dog just bobbing in the waves turned out to be a young black bear. So visitors at the Destin Beach seemed more amused than they were frightened because that was a pretty unusual sight. It was a perfect beach day after all. 85 degrees, sunny skies. The water looked inviting. So after that refreshing swim, the the bear just scampered ashore and took off. And one person yelled out, I guess he's on vacation too. (laughs) I don't know why he ended up out there. The folks standing around are just far more calm than I would have been if I'd seen a beer on the beach. Maybe it was shock. Stunned shock. Uh, Let's get to our first check of the weather from Al. Can't blame him. It's a hot day. I know. For some folks, in fact, today, the weather is going to be unbearable. Uh, Oh. We're here till Thursday. Try the veal. Uh, Good morning, everybody. Hope you're having a great morning. Let's start it off. You can see showers and thunderstorms around the Great Lakes. We've got a risk of severe weather along the mid-Atlantic, also back down into the central plains, southern plains as well for Texas. We're looking at 19 million people at risk for severe weather from Lamar all the way down to Dallas, San Angelo, even the Delmarva Peninsula along the I-95 corridor, possible tornadoes. But what we are worried about is the possibility of hail from Atlantic City to Wilmington, also Dallas, Waco, Abilene. We're also looking at this frontal system tomorrow that's going to generate 17 million people at risk from Dallas all the way to Tallahassee, Florida. Look for showers and thunderstorms stretching from the Great Lakes all the way down into the southeast. Torrential rainfall tomorrow as that system stalls in the northeast and Great Lakes. Today down south, very large hail, flash flooding, strong storms from Wyoming to Texas. And tomorrow, those storms will target the Great Lakes. Rainfall amounts one to two inches in the northeast and Great Lakes but locally up to four inches down into the Southern Plains. And that is your latest weather. Guys, thanks, Al. Thanks, Al. Al. Thank you. Still ahead, inside that miracle in the Amazon jungle, four children rescued 40 days after a small plane crash. The oldest, just 13 years old. She has been credited with keeping her younger siblings alive, including a baby. What she knew, how to do that, what helped them survive, we'll talk to the man who led the search and rescue mission. Plus, we have an update on that password-sharing crackdown at Netflix, how it's working out for the streaming giant and for users. And another big question, could other streaming services now follow Netflix's lead? But first, this is Today on NBC. We are going to start this half hour with that dramatic rescue that's capturing the world's attention. Yeah, four children who lived through a small plane crash, then spent the next 40 days alone in the Amazon jungle after their mother had died. And this morning, we're learning a lot more about how they managed to survive. NBC's Molly Hunter joins us with that remarkable story. Hey, Molly, good morning. 
Guys, good morning to all of you. What a remarkable story of survival. As you mentioned, four kids, 40 days, and it was all because they knew how to live off the forest. Take a look. This morning, new video shows the moment rescuers found four young siblings deep in the Amazon jungle. The eldest, 13, the youngest, just a year old, the kids looking emaciated but alive. For the last 40 days, rescuers had been scouring the forest, covering more than 1,600 miles. It was called Operation Hope. And finally, over the weekend, Colombian special forces in the middle of the night lifted them to safety evacuating them to the capital of Bogota. Colombia's president saying our children were taken care of by the jungle. The children, members of an indigenous tribe, had been living off the forest since their Cessna plane went down on May 1st. Along with their mother, they'd been flying from a remote Amazon community to a small city in central Colombia when the pilot reported engine failure at 7.30 a.m. May 1st. But when rescuers arrived at the scene, they found three adult bodies, but not the children. And over the weekend, joy, relief from their family. Their grandmother says Leslie, the eldest child, had always taken care of her younger siblings and would have known exactly what was safe to eat. Earlier this morning, Hoda and Savannah speaking to the commander of the rescue operation. To, to think there was a 13-year-old who was the oldest and a little baby who turned one while in the jungle. You dropped food and you had a loudspeaker with their grandmother's voice asking them to stay where they were, not to keep walking around. Did that help you in finding them? For the other part about the, the food, for, for instance, uh, we are not sure in this moment if they uh, use one of them to maintain their survive. We are so amazed by you and your team and above all these children. We heard that the family was so grateful to you, sir, that you were named as a godfather for the littlest one, for the baby. That is true. And that is an honor for me uh, to be a, a good father. Uh, I feel her like my, 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 my girl. Uh, it is amazing. I just only have one kid, but for me, I have in this moment two, the girl, the girl and, and my, my boy. Telemundo reporter Rafael Paveda has been covering the story. They live in a small community in the middle of the jungle, so they are used to the jungle. They know what they eat. They know what to eat. They know about the worms. They know about... Uh, the jungle. There was edible cassava flour found in the wreckage and photos taken by the search team show fruit half eaten, which along with footprints, a baby bottle and tiny shoes left behind were all clues to the young survivors. Their grateful father telling reporters, we believe a lot in the jungle, calling their rescue a miracle of God. Now we're covering in the hospital. The director says they're weak, but speaking and the four-year-old and toddler were playing, the director says, adding that when a child plays, they feel good. Yeah, we want to see that road to recovery. It's hard to believe that they witnessed their mother dying and then, on top of that, went 40 days in the jungle. So apart from their incredible resilience and smart thinking, what else do you think, Molly, made this rescue a success? 
Hoda, every detail is just heart-stopping, but the rescue at mission as itself uh, was hundreds and hundreds of people. And actually, the indigenous search leader who worked very closely with the military said this morning, he said, it was a combination of ancestral wisdom and Western wisdom, a combination of military technique and traditional technique, of course, deep in the Amazon forest there. But also, Hoda, they just didn't give up. Hoda? Mm. Yeah, no kidding. Molly, thank you so much for that. Just That's incredible. When you think about it, I mean, not a diaper, yep. probably not shoes. Yep. No food. They'd witnessed the passing of their own mother in that plane. You can't imagine those children. It's, yeah. it's, it's yeah. just beyond belief, really. Yeah. But I think because they were from that area, yeah. indigenous people, yes. they, yeah. they grew up knowing that. It, I mean, that was the only right. chance any of our kids. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Any Western child would yeah. not have right. survived, but yeah. that was incredible. Wow. Still ahead, we have good news if you have a teenager looking for a summer job. Why demand for help has never been higher. And the business is now willing to pay more to find it. First, though, Vicky's here with an update on that password crackdown at Netflix that all streamers need to see, Vic. Good morning. The end is nigh. No more password sharing at Netflix. We'll tell you what that means for the streaming giant, plus how it could affect your other streaming subscriptions. That's all ahead right here on Today. We're back 740 with In-Depth Today. This morning, a closer look at that password-sharing crackdown over Netflix. Oh, yes. The streaming giant has started to boot those users who are borrowing the accounts of family and friends. And some new data shows that the company's plan to boost its bottom line Maybe working. NBC's Vicky Wynn is here with everything we need to know. Vicky, good morning. Hi, good morning. Well, after Netflix announced that password sharing crackdown, they first faced an outcry from users. Everybody was threatening to cancel their subscriptions. But now it seems the opposite has happened. Actions are speaking louder than words. People are really signing up. And the days of password sharing for all streaming services, they may be numbered. For the estimated 30 million households sharing their Netflix password. I guess it's time I grow up. The dreaded day has arrived. My mother-in-law cut us off Netflix. As the password crackdown ramps up and shuts out users. I can't watch a crocodile documentary that my mom pays for. It all comes weeks after the streaming giant first sent subscribers an ominous email saying, your Netflix account is for you and the people you live with. Announcing it would now cost an extra $7.99 to share an account with someone outside your household. This is so annoying. This is horrible. But the backlash didn't last. New data from the analytics company Antenna shows Netflix added a stream of new accounts after it shut down sharing, even posting its four highest days of new subscriber additions in the four and a half years since that data has been tracked. Industry insiders say that's good news for Netflix, which took a major gamble by limiting account access. But what this ultimately means for streaming fans is still unclear. While many believe Netflix's recent subscriber boost will encourage others like Hulu, Prime Video and NBC Universal owned Peacock to put a stop to password sharing, others say it might be an opportunity for other platforms to cash in on a top competitor. You're going to see these other streamers their prices are going to go lower and lower to compete with Netflix. And someone's going to say, you know what? I could get Disney Plus for this amount or Netflix that amount. Which means now may be the best time to shop around and see what best meets your streaming needs. Max dropped HBO from its name, but added several new brands to its library, including the Food and Magnolia Networks. But even if you're not ready to ditch Netflix entirely, you may be able to save money by downgrading to a cheaper subscription plan and avoid overpaying for a souped-up premium subscription. 
So, Vic, I mean, you know, a lot of us have multiple streaming yeah. services now. You've got your Peacock, of course. Of course. Your Netflix, your Amazon, <laughs> your Hulus. If you, if you want to slim down, what should you consider? Yeah, you should go on a little subscription fast. This is what the experts recommend because sometimes you have so many things, you don't even know what you're really yeah. watching. You're kind of just surfing around streaming. So keep your account, delete the apps for a few days and just see which shows yeah. you're gravitating back yeah. to. Oh, I actually do watch quite a few things yep. on this service. That's the one you know to keep. If you're only maybe watching one or two, maybe it's time to purge. Say goodbye. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, Vicki. Thank it's you. so many for the kids anyway. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Right? Oh, exactly. Thank you, Vicky. Mr. Roker, how about a check of the weather? We're on free live over yeah. the air. Yeah. On, let's go. We're in color and we have sound. <laughs> Everything you need <laughs> right here. All right. Anyway, let's go on your fine NBC station. Look at these temperatures. It's a cool summer day. Pittsburgh, 69. That's 12 degrees below average. Amarillo, Texas, 19 degrees below average at 68. Palm Springs, only 87. Believe it or not, that's 13 degrees cooler than average. And then tomorrow, we still have cool conditions in Grand Rapids, Pittsburgh, Raleigh down to Atlanta, out to Oklahoma City, Santa Fe, and Denver. Temperatures do start to warm back up by uh, Friday. Buffalo, you're at 72. 80 in New York City by Friday. 86 in the Queen City of Cincinnati. But the Lone Star and Bayou states are going to be heating up tomorrow. 107 in Del Rio, Texas. McAllen, 102. New Orleans close to a record at 95. And then Wednesday, that heat continues from New Orleans. Records possible in Houston, Del Rio, all the way down to Brownsville, Texas. And that's your latest weather. Guys, thank you. Coming up in Pop Star, Tom Brady showing the world he still got it. More on this particular throw that the NFL legend uh, might be questioning his own retirement. Oh, not again. Oh. Oh. There it goes. Are we going to show oh. it? Oh, no. Nope. You, you have to tune in for Pop Start. Yes. Guys, we loved him on Mad Men. Now John Hamm and John Slattery have teamed up again. They are reuniting for a murder mystery. They'll be live right here to tell us all about it.